0: And I've been, um, I was saved in uh, November 22nd, 1979. I'll never forget. Um, I was at the verge of getting ready to, to be a cocaine dealer. And I mean, I was right there. I was knocking at the door. And God had used my wife. She wasn't my wife at the time. Um, she was Miss Lana Clark. She was the one I was um, eyeballing in the church, and uh, <laughs> and God had used her, and God told me that if you don't stop what you're doing, that you're heading for a dead end street. And I was raised in the church, and I, and one thing that I that I did know is that you don't play with God. You don't you don't play with God, and. And something just hit me in my spirit something just hit me in my spirit and I knew that what God was telling me was true and it was a Thanksgiving night some of you was some of you was there my my sister right here and a lot of you here that was um, was there we had a revival and um, I can't tell you what the preacher preached about but all I know is I went down on my knees. When he had altar call, I went down on my knees, and I asked God, I, and I was 22 years old. And I said, Lord, if you spare my life, I will run for you for the rest of my life. And I've been running ever since. <laughs> and it's so wonderful. It's so wonderful. The change is so wonderful. And a lot of people, a lot of people, and I was told, well, you can't stay saved out of fear, you know, because you gave your life to God because you were scared to die. But one thing about God is he does things in a mysterious way. He took the fear that I had and once I accepted him as my Lord and my Savior, he took that fear and he turned it into a love in which I've never felt before in my life, brother. I never felt that type of love in my life. And it gave me a desire and it it made me want to serve him. It gave me a love for him that I wanted to, to just do all that I can for him. And another thing that was said in the prophecy is that you are going to be my mouthpiece. But let me tell you about uh, about that uh, <laughs> about that phrase. I grew up. Uh, this is my sister right here, Sister Ruby Register. I grew up stuttering. I was a very bad stutterer, and it was hard for me to get words out. That's the way I stuttered, and, it was, and people would say, come on, get it out, I, I, I'm trying to. <laughs> but once I got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, something transpired. Something transpired in, inside me that every time I got up to preach, it was, there was no stuttering. And every time I, I, I started witnessing to people, there was, there was no stuttering. And every time I got down on my knees to pray, there was, there was no stuttering. All that God wanted to do in my life, he transformed it and there was no, there was no stuttering. I've been preparing for this message and it's just been burning inside me. a Faith of a father. Faith of a father. It's this man that I want to preach about and it's a wonderful thing to be a father. All the fathers raise your hand. Happy Father's Day. Give yourself a, a, a hand clap. Now, give yourself a hand clap for being in church. Don't you know how many fathers are not in church? See, you're about to have me cry already. See, I was the head of the men's ministry, men's of integrity, and, and we talked about our fathers. Ryan, we talked, we talked about our fathers. And it was about 15 or 20 of us. And majority of our fathers wasn't there for us, wasn't there for us. But yet God had changed a generation of men to make sure that they're there for their children. See, you have the type of fathers, I was praying over this, you have the, the type of fathers that are no-shows, they've never seen their children, they've never been with their children, they don't know who their children is. And then you have the type of fathers that are evolving doors, they're just in and out of their children's life. They're just like a revolving door. And then you have the type of father I call the Garfield father. Garfield the cat, just sit around and just don't do anything. And then you have the type of father who is involved in their children's life. My father passed away when I was four years old, so I didn't know him. I didn't know... Brother Chris, what made him laugh? I didn't know what made him cry. I didn't know what his favorite color was. I didn't know what his favorite food was. I didn't know him at all. And then my mother got married to a man, Mr. E.B. Gibson, which is my brother's father. And I got to know him very well. And when I got married, Um, to my lovely wife when we had our first child my brother I said I want to make sure that my children know who I am I want them to know what makes me cry I want them to know what makes me happy I, I want them to know what my favorite color is I want them to know what my favorite food is if I ask any of them right now they know exactly those those things I want them to know me as a father, but most of all, I want them to know that I am a praying father. Come on now. Yeah. I want them to know that daddy might not be there for you all the time, 24 hours a day, but he knows a father who yeah. is. Yeah. 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 By Jesus. I want them to know that, that their dad as a true man of God, I want my children to know that I'm not going to play two sides of the fence. I'm not, I'm not going to party on Friday and be in church on Sunday. I want them to know that, that their father is not the type of father is going to beat up on their mother on Saturday and then be in church lifting his hands on Sunday. I want them to know that a true man of God takes care of his wife. I want them to know that a true man of God takes care of his children. Yes. Pastor Pastor Keenan, I'm 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 sorry. I'm apologize right now because I know that my daughter is a spoiled rotten. And I hand her off to you, but I want her to know that this is the way a man supposed to treat a queen. If you can't treat my daughter the way that I treat her, you do not deserve to have her. You rose up to the occasion. And my son-in-law, David, he's not here, but I I apologize. David, if you you are watching, I apologize to you. (laughs) Because I also raised my daughters, Brother Jeff, that to have your own. You don't have to depend on a man to give you things. Have your own job, have your own car, have your own bank account have your own um, house if you, are, if you are alone, because it so happens if the enemy try to hook you up with somebody bad and they, and, they, and they try to kick you out your house, I want you to just wave your hand goodbye and say, I go to my own. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, man, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm messing you up, but that's all right. <laughs> But that's the job of a father to make sure, that's the job of a father to make sure that their children are taken care of. This is the type of father that this man I'm getting ready to to talk about. That as as soon as Jesus crossed over the Galilee, the Sea of Galilee after he would cast out demons out of a man. He crossed back over to the Sea of of Galilee and a whole crowd thronged him and and was around him. I'm talking about thousands of people. I'm not talking about a few hundred like in here. I'm talking about thousands of people were around him. And his, his disciples had all of a sudden they had such an experience on the other side of the sea brother Ryan that just, opened their, just blew their minds when Jesus cast out over 2,000 demons out of one man. Could you imagine being the disciple there? You're hearing a man talk and he's saying, Jesus, what do you have to do with me? And Jesus was just sitting there. And Brother Keenan, the Bible says that Jesus told, told the demons to leave that man, be cast out of that man. But before you get cast, be cast out, he says, tell me your name. My name is Legion because we are many. The key to the story is that one demon was talking as if there was only one of them in, But when Jesus asked for his name, he said that, my name is Legion, for we are many. That's the way that the enemy worked. The enemy think, the enemy will have you thinking that he is working on one thing, but actually he's working on many things in your life. So he had to open the disciples' eyes to to let them see that it's more than just one demon in this man. There's many of them. So the disciples got in the boat, went to the other side. Nobody said nothing to Jesus at that time. They went to the other side. And as soon as they came to the other side, They see this man. When the demon-possessed man came to Jesus, he fell down on his knees, Brother Jack. As soon as he saw him, he fell down on his knees. Either the demon drove him to his knees because he recognized who Jesus was or the man that was on inside of him was crying out to be delivered and he fell down on Jesus, um, at Jesus' feet. But as soon as he crossed the other side, another man comes and falls down at Jesus' feet. In Mark, chapter five, starting at the 21st verse he says and when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side a great crowd gathered about him and beside uh, he was beside the sea then came one of the rulers of the synagogue Jairus by name (laughs) and seeing him he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him and a crowd followed him and thronged him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even that his garment, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease and Jesus perceiving in himself that power had gone out of him immediately turned about in the crowd and said who touched me and his disciples said said to him you see all the crowd passing around you and yet you say who touched me and he looked around to see Who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. And he followed. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and Jesus saw a commotion Talitha kumi which means little girl I say to you arise and immediately the girl got up and began walking for she was 12 years of age and they were immediately overcome with amazement and he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat what's amazing about this story to me I can relate to Jairus, and I was thinking, Pastor Kenan, what really made Jairus go to seek Jesus? Was it the mother? I came up with two ideas. I said, Lord, why did he go? Was it the mother who told him, Jairus, go and get Jesus? Hey, But I'm a ruler of the synagogue. I'm the ruler of the synagogue. I take it to the synagogue. I don't care who you is. You better try to go get Jesus for my baby. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> you see, because there's a connection with mother and children that fathers don't have. A hundred children can be outside and that, and that mother's baby can fall and scream and start crying and that mother said, that's my baby right there. That's my baby. So I was thinking, I said, was it the mother... Was it the mother that told him to go get Jesus because, because he was a ruler of the synagogue? Now, what's the ruler of the synagogue? The ruler of the synagogue, what he did was he controlled the building of the synagogue. He was the one who told everybody, you know, when to preach, when they can't preach, when to pray. He he actually organized the synagogue. He was appointed a ruler of the synagogue by the Sanhedrin council. The Sanhedrin council was about 71 members. And at the time they were like our Supreme Court judges. Okay? So he served under them. So he was a proud man. He was a rich man. He had position. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't going to um, take no for nobody, and everybody knew him because he was known by his name, Jairus. So everybody knew him. Here come Jairus. Here come Jairus. Everybody knew Jairus. And, and when he came to Jesus, you notice there was a crowd around Jesus, but all of a sudden, Jairus all of a sudden was bowing down at Jesus' feet because everybody knew him. So this was a proud man rich man but one thing that Jairus had he had a love for his baby girl he had a love for his, for his daughter even though he was in control of the Sanhedrin council even though he was the he had people working under him What amazed me was, how come he didn't go, my brother, to the Sanhedrin council to have the Pharisees pray for him? How come he didn't go to the Sanhedrin council to have the Sadducees pray for him? How come he didn't go to the Sanhedrin council to have the teachers of the law pray for his daughter? Why? because he knew what type of men they were. He knew not to get Caiaphas who was the chief priest of the Sanhedrin council because he knew Caiaphas didn't have the power of Jesus. How come he didn't get Nicodemus? Nicodemus was also part of the Sanhedrin council, but Nicodemus didn't have the power of Jesus. How come he didn't get Joseph of Arimathea, who was also part of the Sanhedrin council because Joseph of Arimathea wasn't, didn't have the power of Jesus? See, we run all around fathers and try to find answers. But we never go to Jesus. Come on. First place that we'll go is to the pastor. Call the pastor. Ring, ring. Hello, pastor. My daughter's on her deathbed. Could you come and pray for her? The pastor can't do nothing right there. First person you should go to is... Jairus passed by Caiaphas, he passed by Nicodemus, he passed by Joseph of Arimathea, he passed by the Sanhedrin council. He kept walking until he found Jesus and and as he was going you know what was dropping off of him brother Kenan, pride was dropping off. (laughs) Richness was dropping off because he knew he couldn't go to Jesus with pride in him. He knew that pride wasn't going to help his baby. He knew the way that he was thinking, the way that he was raised wasn't going to help his daughter, his baby girl. So as he was going, I noticed this man. I want you to just follow me. Notice this man. He made his way to Jesus, and he asked Jesus. He said, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hand on her so that she may be made well and live. And Jesus went. Turn with me to Mark. No, excuse me. Turn with me to Acts chapter 17, verse 27. It says that they should seek God and perhaps fill their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. Why do we call each other first to pray for each other. When Acts says that God is not far from none of us. Sometimes we don't have time, brother Chris, to call Pastor Kenan. Sometimes we don't have time to call Pastor Johnson because my baby is at the point of death I have a split I have I have to make a split-second decision is it the pastor or is it Jesus is it the pastor or is it Jesus I have a split second to make a decision He says, and he fell down and worship him. And that word fell down and worshiping mean, that word fell mean in, in Greek is pipto. And what it means, it means to collapsed, used often to depict a person who falls so hard, it appears that he's fallen dead. So when it says that he fell down at Jesus' feet, he fell so hard, it was like he he fell dead at Jesus' feet. I don't have nothing left. I don't have nothing in me. I don't care about the Sanhedrin council. I don't care about the fancy fancy clothes I got. I don't care about about the, the riches I have. See, I know that he was a rich man because when he got to his house, they were wailing, and they paid wailers at that time to come and wail whenever someone passed away. And if you was real rich, they have a band also there. You see, I was, I was gyrus one time because my wife and I, when our first child was born, the doctor wanted to abort her. I didn't have time, my brother, to call Pastor Wiley. The doctor said that we're going to have to abort her. This was 3 o'clock in the morning. But I'm going to wait until your doctor come in and see what your doctor says. Our doctor is going to come in at 6 o'clock in the morning. From 3 o'clock in the morning to 6 o'clock in the morning. We didn't call nobody but Jesus. Father, you said that children are a gift from you. Yeah, yeah. You said, ask and it shall be given. Yeah, yeah. You said, <laughs> you said, God, that if our ways please us, that you will give us the desires of our heart. And right now, the desires of our heart is to have our baby. Come on. Yeah. And we prayed. Six o'clock in the morning came, the doctor came in. Examined my wife because they thought that the baby was a cyst. The doctor, I mean, the, the, the baby was halfway out of the uterus. And the, and the doctor came in and said that, no, it's just a cyst is what she has. The baby's at 12 o'clock high. Yeah. So I know what it feels. I know what Jairus was, was feeling like. I know what Jairus was feeling like when he had our second daughter. She had jaundice, and her eyes was just yellow. The white of her eyes was just yellow. And they say put her in the sun, put her in the back of the in back of the car, and back of the car, and let her get the sun. But my wife just was—it was something that wasn't just sitting right in my wife's spirit. And we were with her parents, and her parents went into the store. Brother Ryan and and my wife went to the went to the. Uh, to the phone booth called the doctor and told the doctor what was going on the doctor said bring her in we took the baby in and the doctor told us if you wouldn't have brought her in 10 minutes uh, in 10 minutes she would have had brain damage and my baby's sitting right there Sarah I, I, know what, I know what Jairus felt, I know what Jairus felt because our third daughter, what in the world brother Johnson? but that's the way that the enemy works, yes, yes. that's the way that the enemy works. Our third daughter, when my wife just went in just for an examination, just walking in, we happy, we holding hands, we getting ready to have another baby, hoping that it's a boy, but it's all right, though, it's all right, it's all right. (laughs) Walking in, we holding hands. A doctor examined my wife and said, we got to take you in right now. said, my wife looking at me, said, why? Because the stress that you are under you have the stress of two women and we have to take the baby out right now because if it don't, you don't you'll lose your child and we pray right then and there I father I'm gonna tell you right now don't care where you at when it's time to pray you better pray right then and there we had doctors we had nurses we had people passing by in the hallway, and we calling on Jesus. Yeah. 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 My daughter was born, and she's sitting right here. But Jairus, Jairus, Brother and Jairus. What I notice, what I notice is Jairus didn't say nothing else. This whole trip. He put his petition to God. He put his petition to Jesus, Pastor Ryan, and he didn't say nothing else this whole trip. He didn't say a word, he didn't say a peek. Why? Because his faith knew. He said, I, I know. Come on now Come and lay your hand on her so that she may be made well and live. So Jesus said, "Come on, let's go." And on her way, on his way, walking in the crowd, they say that the crowd was so thick that it presses that people could have got trampled. It was just pressing on it. Jesus, all of a sudden, felt something. Mm. He said, "Who touched me?" Disciples try to ask smart, "What you mean? Who touched you?" He said, "Somebody." somebody touched me because I felt virtue just leave me I felt a a healing just leave me because there was a woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years and she said to herself if I could just touch just the hem of his garment I will be made well she didn't tell nobody about the issue She paid doctors to get rid of the issue. They took all of her money. That's the way some of of you have issues right now that you've been dealing with. You didn't pay people to try to help get rid of your your issues. You you didn't try alcohol to try to get rid of your issue. You didn't try drugs to try to get rid of your issue. You tried illicit sex to try to get rid of your issue, but that issue still remains. She had an issue, she had an issue and she heard about Jesus and she said, if I can just touch, he don't have to lay hands on me. He don't have to come and just lay hands on me. He don't have to touch my head. He don't even have to see me. I don't even have to say my request to him. I'm not gonna tell nobody if I could just touch just a hem of his garment. Brother Alvino, she wasn't even supposed to be around people. She wasn't even supposed to be around people with the issue because they would all became unclean. She wasn't supposed to be around nobody. You see, but when you in need, When you're in need, you don't care what people say. See, our problem is when we're in need, we're embarrassed to say things. We're embarrassed to tell our our personal problems. But Jesus is the type of person that you don't have to tell nobody about your personal problems. All you have to do is just go to him. If I could just touch the hem of his garment. Now, where was Jairus this whole time? Where was the father at this whole time? All of this is going on. Brother Jeff, all of this is going on. Where was Jairus? Jairus is not saying anything. Jairus is just looking. Mm. What is doing? It's assuring his faith. I got two more minutes. I got to get up out of here. See, I'm a long-winded preacher. See, 35 minutes ain't nothing. I'm a long-winded preacher. But I'm going to get up out of here, though. But Jairus is sitting the whole time just, just looking at Jesus and what's going on. And, he, and, and and all the time, his faith is building. His faith is building. The, the whole entire time, is, his faith is building. And when, and when the woman was healed, they came to Jairus and said, it's too late. Your daughter's dead. It's too late. Jesus said, don't worry about it. Just only believe. You know what I'm saying? Just only believe. See, because what people call death, I call sleep. That's the difference between man and God. What we call dead, he call sleep. Went to his house, people was wailing. I'm going to make this real short. I'm going to cut it real short. People was wailing, crying. Jesus told them to get out. Some people you can't have around you. Some people you can't have around inside your house. You can't have in your house. You can't have all that crying when it's time for praying. You can't have all that crying when it's time for healing. Get out. And Jesus said, Tabitha, kumi. Cool and what it's like, is like saying, little girl. It's real soft. It's real soft. Tabitha, Kumi, Get up, little girl. Arise. And the girl got up. Do you think that Jairus went back to the synagogue? Huh? You think he went back to the synagogue again? You think he started serving up under Caiaphas again? What do you think that that did to his faith? He was a whole different man. Yeah. He was a whole different man. When you come in contact with Jesus, come on. Come on. the things that you used to do, yeah. I'm going to get out of here. <laughs> the places that you used to go. I know this is my third time. I'm getting ready to get out of here. <laughs> the way that you used to talk. L.B., I love this man right here. That boyfriend. (laughs) You just don't do it no more.